0: Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during signup. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign up. This week DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and for the second straight episode, I'm starting out by flying solo. This time, I will be flying solo throughout the duration of the episode here. Horwath is on his way back at the moment from sunny Florida. I hope he had a very good vacation. So that means for one more episode, it will be me riding solo, talking about the first place... Pittsburgh Penguins it's nice waking up on a Monday morning it's easier waking up on a Monday morning knowing the Pittsburgh Penguins sit atop the mass mutual East division what we're going to do in this episode is I'll talk about how they got there the last three games since our latest episode last Thursday episode 40 featuring Hunter Hodes of the Locked On Penguins podcast if you haven't yet go back and listen to the interview we did with him It is a fun interview, it is a great interview, and it is one of the more fun times I've had on the podcast. I always say that, but I always love having the guests on, so I'm excited for the next couple of guests that are going to be on. I know the fans and the listeners will enjoy it as well, but let's get started with this episode. Because after the last one, the Penguins had two more games against... The New Jersey Devils. I'm not going to really talk about those games very much because of how big the game on Sunday was against the Boston Bruins. So we'll talk a lot more about those Bruins games and the matchups against the Devils. But going into Thursday, the Penguins were coming off of that seven to six win where they gave up six goals in the third period. A crazy win, a win that if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, you're not exactly happy with. So we were all ready for the response by the Pittsburgh Penguins, whether it was going to be a good response or if it was going to be a lackluster response. And luckily, the Penguins on Thursday had a great response, and they responded with a 5-1 win over the New Jersey Devils on home ice. I mean, it started really early. The first line was buzzing, basically, that entire first shift. Sidney Crosby put the team on his back and finishes that shift with an amazing snipe short side and scoring, giving the Penguins a 1-0 lead, and they just went all in from there. Kasperi Kapanen returned in that game, scoring a goal and an assist in his first game back. There were so many penalties that the Penguins took, but luckily their penalty kill was perfect on the evening. Teddy Bluger added a shorthanded goal. Uh, Let's move fast forward to Saturday. The Devils getting back Mackenzie Blackwood. That was a big help for them. That kept it a little bit more low scoring. A 3-2 win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Kapanen, a scary moment there in the second period whenever he was going towards the net. Trips on Teddy Bluger. Both of them go to the ice, and Kapanen goes face first onto the ice. There was a danger of maybe a concussion there. I know he had a little cut on his face, but luckily enough, he was able to come back in and play the rest of the game. And then he also played on Sunday. Played a really good game on Sunday as well. And then, of course, Zucker with a huge hit in the third period, and then he ended up having to fight for it, but a really good couple of games by the Pittsburgh Penguins to sweep the New Jersey Devils, putting them in position at the time of their win on Saturday. That put them in first place. Unfortunately, later in the evening, the Capitals were able to defeat the New York Islanders and retake first place for the time being, but the Penguins had a little bit of time in that top spot in the East Division following the 3-2 win on Saturday. A sweep is not an easy thing to come by. In any professional sport, you look in baseball, and yes, they're a little bit more frequent in baseball, but also they play at least 50 series in a season, so there's bound to be more sweeps there, especially a three-game sweep in hockey. This league, as we've always talked about, is very, very, it's evening out. I wouldn't say it's very, very evening, but it's evening out. At this point, And the Devils, although they are kind of hapless this season, they have a lot of good young players, and I mentioned it on the last episode, is they don't go away too easily, especially with a goaltender like Mackenzie Blackwood, with players like Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier. This team doesn't go away, and they didn't go away on Saturday. Luckily enough, the Penguins were able to take three of three from them, get on a three-game win streak, heading into a stretch of four games against the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals, the first of which was played on Sunday afternoon on NBC. It was a very, very good game. A lot of people would look at the final score of one to nothing and say, wow, that must have been a boring game. No, this was far from it. This was a very good show of fantastic hockey on both sides. I think Pittsburgh outplayed the Boston Bruins for the majority of the game, especially in the final 40 minutes of the game. But I do think the Boston Bruins played a very good game. Goaltending-wise, the Bruins goaltender Jeremy Swayman was extremely solid. I mean, he was the story of the day up until Jake Gensel scored a goal in the third period. But it was a really good game through and through the entire way. The first thing I do want to talk about a little bit, when it comes to this matchup against the Bruins, because the Penguins will play the Bruins on Tuesday in the final matchup of the regular season. But the first thing I want to talk about is Mike Sullivan, actually. The question I want to ask is, why does Sullivan continue to purposely match up Sidney Crosby's line with the perfection line and Perseverance Bergeron? Bergeron has a history of being able to Slow down, if not shut down, Sidney Crosby. And whichever line Sidney Crosby is on at the time. Yet, when you have home ice advantage, part of the advantage is being able to have last change. Being able to kind of make more matchups that you want. Desirable matchups. Yet, Sullivan continues to put Crosby up against that Bergeron line. And yes, there is something to be said about the top lines always going up against each other. And sometimes there's even complaints that we want to see that more often. We want to see Ovi and Sid on the ice, every single shift against each other. We want to see Claude Giroux against Sidney Crosby. Maybe not anymore, but years earlier, maybe we wanted to see that as the matchup on the ice every time. Maybe whenever we see the Oilers and the Penguins play, we want to see McDavid and Crosby every shift that they play, they play against each other. So it's good for watching, but if you're a coach like Sullivan, sometimes I just don't understand it. Yes, the Crosby line did account for the lone goal of this game, but the line that was on the other side was not the Patrice Bergeron line. So it is it is questionable. Now, part of that might be because of how defensively responsible the Penguins' first line is, and if you don't understand that, go look at their numbers. Sidney Crosby is putting up Selkie-type numbers this season. Jake Gensel... And Brian Rust are equal parts defensively responsible. They're really good in their own end. And that showed in today's game because the Penguins' first line was able to kind of hold the Bergeron line in check. I did see in the first period there were a couple shifts where that line was moving. Bergeron, Posternock, Marshawn, they were passing the puck around very well. They had some good shifts where they had good possession. And they had the Crosby line hemmed into their own zone, but Crosby, Gensel, and Rust, they were able to go out there and they were able to kind of stem the tide, did not allow any high danger chances against Tristan Jari. They did a really good job of protecting the net front against that first line of the Boston Bruins. And that might be why I do like the way that Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese play against pretty much any line, but... Maybe that's what Sullivan's thinking. Maybe he's thinking the best chance for us to come out positive is for Crosby to match up head-to-head with Bergeron. But I'm not the coach. Whatever works, and it worked on this afternoon, having Crosby match up with Bergeron for the majority of the game. But like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the first period of this game had some stretches of dominance for Boston where they would go a couple of line changes and still kind of have possession – and be kind of swarming the Pittsburgh Penguins in their own defensive zone. Tristan Jari didn't really face that many stellar opportunities for the Boston Bruins because the Penguins were able to still protect the net front very well when Boston was buzzing this way. But after the first 20 minutes, the Penguins kind of controlled the game, which was very nice to see. The shots on goal were pretty even. The faceoff percentage was pretty even. There were no penalties, which is something we'll get into in a little bit. There, there was one penalty late in the game, but there were no penalties through two periods of play. The first time this season that there was no penalties and no goals through two periods of play in any NHL game. It was a really even game, even though the Penguins controlled the puck and controlled the pace of play a lot more than the Boston Bruins did after the first 20 minutes. I do want to talk about Jeremy Swayman. He is a solid goaltender. He is a young goaltender. As my co-host Nick Horowitz likes to say, goaltenders are weird. They are finicky. They can change from month to month, from game to game. You just never know. But as of right now, Jeremy Swayman is a solid goaltender for the Boston Bruins. Figures that a random 22-year-old from Alaska would go out there and play the game that he did against the Pittsburgh Penguins because he had a lot more 10-bell saves than Tristan Jari did in this game. The Penguins definitely made him work A lot harder than the Bruins made Tristan Jari work. But going back and looking, Jeremy Swayman, this was his seventh career start. He had won five of the first six, and very often in those games, allowed less than two goals, or two or fewer goals, I should say. Watching this game, this young goaltender for the Boston Bruins, kind of reminded me of Matt Murray. And I hate to bring up Matt Murray, mainly because... This season, bringing up Matt Murray seems to just bring back up the Murray versus Jari debate, which is not what I'm doing. But it reminds me of Matt Murray in 2016. Now, Swayman is only 6'2", which is still a pretty big size for a goaltender, but I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to look it up really quickly, I'm pretty sure Matt Murray is a little bit bigger than that. But he seemed like a big presence in net. He seemed like he took up a lot more of the net. And he also seemed like he had a lot more poise in net than you would expect a 22-year-old to have. He was impressive. I was very impressed with him. Matt Murray is 6'4". So yes, a little bit shorter by a couple inches than Matt Murray. But he reminded me of Matt Murray in the way that he made some of these difficult saves look very easy. He kind of nonchalantly... Caught a lot of glove-side pucks, which Matt Murray in 2016, if you go back and look at the playoffs and look at his early games in that season, Matt Murray did a lot of that. So the Boston Bruins, who are having trouble in net this season, Dukaras can't stay healthy. Yaroslav Halak cannot stay healthy. When healthy, those guys have been pretty good, but they just haven't been healthy very often. So for Jeremy Swayman, the way that he's played the last seven games, is the reason the Boston Bruins are as close as they are to the other top three teams in the East Division. Hats off to him. He had a really good game. But at the same time, both teams were very defensively responsible in this game. There was not much room to breathe on either side of the ice. There was not much room to breathe in the neutral zone or really in the net front for both Boston and Pittsburgh It was a lot of exterior and a lot of perimeter shooting. And the Penguins did have a couple opportunities. The Bruins had their opportunities. I feel like, like I said, the Penguins had a better lineup of opportunities. But both teams played very stout defensively. This was a playoff-style game. With the fact that the whistles were pretty much put away, both teams were playing sound defensive hockey, and there was still... Some great opportunities, great chances. There was a lot of clean hits. There wasn't a lot that was actually dirty that I saw. And by dirty, I just mean I didn't really see a lot of penalties that were let go. It just seemed like both of these teams were playing the game the right way. Not to say that there was nobody that committed a penalty. I'm sure there was. But it seemed like the vast majority of the game was played the correct way and played without penalty. There were not a lot of goals to speak of. Usually I like to talk about goals when I'm on here by myself. But first and foremost, Jason Zucker. He's got a lot of heat in Pittsburgh Penguins land lately because he's not been putting up the numbers that we had hoped for him coming into this season, had hoped for him whenever we traded for him last year. He did have the injury, but since coming back from injury, he's found himself a spot along the same line as jeff carter and jared mccann and that line was very good again on sunday controlled the puck controlled the opportunities played a really good game jason zucker led that line on sunday there have been games where jeff carter has led that line there's been games where jared mccann has led that line jason zucker led that line on sunday he's just snake bit and to be completely honest and i'll put it out there for all of our listeners Message us on Iceberg Podcast Twitter account. Message us on the Iceberg Podcast Instagram account. What is a level up from Snakebit? Because that's where Jason Zucker is at this point. He had about six grade A chances, and I'm not exaggerating. He had five or six grade A opportunities to score on Sunday and just couldn't convert. He was close, but he just couldn't convert. He seems like... He's settling down a little bit. A big problem that we talked about with Hunter Hodes is he seems like he's trying to do too much. Well, in these last couple of games, he's started to settle down, which is starting to produce these opportunities for him. So that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Jason Zucker is playing some really good hockey right now. He just needs to break through and find the back of the net. Because when that happens, it could be scoring in bunches for him. The way that he's playing the game. Something else that he did in the third period, the reason that the Penguins probably won the game is David Krejci, who just loves to score against Pittsburgh. David Krejci had a great opportunity in the heart of the Penguins' zone. And Jason Zucker was able to go over, lift his stick, not even a shot on goal. That was a fantastic play, and I know it was highlighted by NBC. And they also said that it was Krejci's fault that he didn't one-time it. Okay, well, you know what? It was a great defensive play. That's why it didn't metastasize and it didn't materialize for him. It was a great play by Jason Zucker. So my hat's off to Zucker. I will mention him again when going over this game, but just going over the way he played in this game and the way he played on Saturday, these are good things for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially because if Malkin comes back, you would imagine that line stays together and just becomes your third line. So having a guy like Jason Zucker playing at the caliber that he is with guys like Carter and McCann who are playing in the way that they are as a third line, I've seen a lot of people say it on Twitter. Is it the next HBK line? I don't know if it's that because there's nobody to the caliber of Phil Kessel in my eyes that can just score at a moment's notice with his wrist shot. Yes, Jeff Carter has a great shot. But I don't think it's quite to the level of where Phil Kessel is. At least with his shot. I do like Jeff Carter, don't get me wrong. But comparing him to Phil Kessel would be unfair for Jeff Carter at this point of his career. He looks great, but let's not go down that road. The Triple J line, or whatever we need to call it, Jason, Jared, and Jeff, whatever we need to call it, it's a good line. And if that can be the third line for the Penguins, going into the playoffs, the Penguins are going to be in pretty good shape. Now, I also want to talk about one other player, Jake Gensel. Obviously, scores the lone goal of the game four minutes and three seconds into the third period with an absolute snipe show of a goal. Good pass by Sidney Crosby, which with the pass that was needed there, we knew he wasn't missing. That is a pass Crosby will make 10 times out of 10. More importantly, a great pinch by Brian Dumlin, some good back checking by Brian Rust, And a good little pass by Brian Dublin once again to get the puck to Sidney Crosby, who was able to then set up Jake Gensel for an absolute snipe show of a goal. The only goal of this game. It was a great play by the Penguins' top line. I know I probably sound like a broken record because that top line makes great plays on a daily, seems like, every shift basis. This is a special line right here. And if you want any more evidence of that, There's only one team in the NHL right now that has three 20-goal scorers. And that team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And all three of those scorers are on that top line. Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Brian Rust all have over 20 goals. Then you add in the fact that Sidney Crosby is putting on a Selkie-level season. That just adds to it. Jake Gensel leads, of course, the team with 21 goals. Crosby and Rust each have 20 in their own right. But the Penguins are in a good spot right now with their first line playing well, with their de facto second line playing extremely well as well, and with people getting healthy. Kapanen has played a very good game along the lines with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. When Malkin comes back, that's where Kapanen going to go then you could probably put Evan Rodriguez on that fourth line with Bluger and Aston Reese. It's all going to work. But, as I mentioned, Gensel's goal. That is not the best play of the game. And I know what you're saying right now. How could the only goal of the game not be the goal scorer's best play of the game? It's because of what happened later. With about 90 seconds left. The Penguins went down to try to score an empty net goal and missed, and that's unfortunate. But... What happened is Jake Gensel goes in there on the four check, gets the puck for about a second. He gets hounded by about four. I think it might've even been five Boston Bruins players who are trying to get the puck back with 90 seconds and an empty net. And he draws a penalty. Patrice Bergeron high sticks him, goes to the box for all intents and purposes, ends the game in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. That would not have happened if Gensel would have just simply said, okay, well, the puck's behind their net. There's five of them there. I'm just going to skate back and get ready to play my own zone to try to clog up the neutral zone. No, he went in there on the four check. Kind of occupied the zone and occupied time against five Boston Bruins and then draws a penalty. An absolutely fantastic play by an all-star player in this league. That, to me, I'm going to give my three stars. That, to me, is the reason Jake Gensel is the first star of this game. Not only did he have Several decent chances throughout the game to score. Not only did the whole line play so well in their own end, including him, but he is big goal Jake Gensel, scoring a massive goal in a massive game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then that play he made at the end of the third period. Jake Gensel was the first star of this game. And it was pretty close because there was a couple performances from the Pittsburgh Penguins that were absolutely five star. His was one of them. The second star of this game to me was Tristan Jari. He gets a 30-save shutout. That is his first shutout of the season. What a time to have it, to be completely honest. If you were to ask me if I had to pick one game for Tristan Jari to have a shutout, a nationally televised afternoon game against the Boston Bruins in which the Penguins winning would put them in first place in the division, yeah, go ahead and just pencil it in for that one. A huge game for Tristan Jari. Confidence-boosting game. Less than a week out of a game where he gave up six goals in the third period. A massive shutout against a red-hot Boston Bruins team. Yes, I understand that they lost to the Buffalo Sabres before coming to Pittsburgh. But prior to that, they had not lost since the trade deadline. They had won five in a row. A really good game for Tristan Jari. Big confidence boost for Tristan Jari. I would imagine... That he sees the net against Boston on Tuesday. I would imagine he probably sees the net on Tuesday and Thursday against Boston. And then in Washington. But I still have my third star of the game. The third star is Jason Zucker for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. He had so many great opportunities. He's going to score a goal, guys. He's going to get one eventually. And when he does, he might just start putting the puck in the back of the net every game. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our pens poll to close out the show. I know it's a shorter one, but we will have a nice long episode on Thursday to make up for it. Plus, we have some content, some bonus content coming out that'll make up for it as well. But we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Woo! What is up, Doubles fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Pork Roll to How Much We Hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Nick Berlansky here riding solo with our weekly Pens Poll, talking about the NHL playoffs. Our poll last week was if you had to pick which team, who would you want to see the Penguins match up with in the first round of the playoffs? The New York Islanders won the poll with 47%. The Boston Bruins came in second with 30%. And the Washington Capitals came in last with 23%, which kind of surprised me a little bit. My vote was for the New York Islanders. And I even put out an article last week About these matchups and why the New York Islanders were the best matchup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. First and foremost, if the Penguins have to play the New York Islanders, that means the Bruins have to play the Capitals. Those two teams would absolutely obliterate each other in a best of seven series. So that way, if the Penguins were able to get past the Islanders, they're playing a shell of a team in either Boston or Washington. Because those two teams beat the heck out of each other for what I would imagine would be at least six Probably a seven-game series. I was surprised that Boston came in second here. I see Boston, albeit a big win for the Penguins against that team on Sunday, I see Boston as the biggest threat to the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to -to head-to-head matchups in this division. The Penguins have won one game in TD Garden since 2014, and that was the 4-1 win earlier this month. Yeah, they play pretty well against Boston at home. But they're not good on the road. Not to mention the last time we played them in the playoffs, which was the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals, it did not go well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If any of you remember that series, the Pittsburgh Penguins only scored two goals in the four games. So a relive of that would not be good for anybody's hearts in Pittsburgh. I don't believe that's how... They would fare in a best of seven against Boston, but it's definitely less favorable than the other two to me. The Islanders, I think, is the best matchup for the Penguins. Not only were they 6-2 and two against them on the season, but the Islanders are just not good on the road. Similar to the Penguins, the Penguins are not great on the road. Both teams are about 500 on the road and amazing at home. So that's why it's important. If the Penguins can get home ice advantage against the New York Islanders, it's huge because the Islanders are not great on the road. That would force them to play the first two games at PPG Paints Arena. And the Penguins already have matched up really well against the Islanders this season. That leaves the Washington Capitals. I know a lot of people are tired of seeing the Penguins and the Capitals face off in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't understand why, though. I know that you are a little tired because they've played each other four times in the Sydney Crosby era. Crosby, of course, and the Penguins winning three of those and the Capitals winning the most recent battle in 2018. And of course, the small caveat of every time they go up against each other, the winner goes on to win the Stanley Cup. But I want to see round five, OV and the Capitals versus Penguins and Crosby. I want to see it. Do I want to see it in the first round? Mm, maybe. I'd rather see the Islanders. Do I want to see the Capitals in the second round? Yes. It would only be poetic for the Penguins to be able to eliminate the Capitals in the second round of the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. That's what my hope could be. That's what my hope is. Now, the Washington Capitals are not a slouch by any sense of the word. Alex Ovechkin, again, leading his team in goals. Nicholas Backstrom, again, continuing to be one of the most underrated players in the league. Anthony Mantha, since going over to Washington, has been absolutely amazing. We'll see them on Thursday, so we'll get to see how we match up against them on Thursday and then, I believe, next Saturday as well. Listen, none of these matchups are favorable for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're all difficult matchups. Who is the most favorable, though? I I think that's the Islanders, and I know 47% of our listeners agree. That's why they came out on top of this poll, but... I would like to know if the Capitals came in last because Penguins fans truly think that that is going to be the toughest matchup, or if it's just because Penguins fans don't want to see another Penn's Caps matchup in the playoffs because they're tired of it. I don't know how you can get tired of watching those two teams play. I know there's a lot of people that would agree with me. There might be some people that disagree, but there's a lot of people that would agree with me that they could sit there and watch that for a 50 game series, not just a seven game series. Another kind of weird caveat to the playoffs that I did want to bring up, looking at the NHL schedule, the Penguins will finish around when they were expected to when the schedule came out at the beginning of the season. But the Penguins might have up to an entire week off between their final game of the regular season and the first game of the NHL playoffs. And when you think about that, that could be huge. Evgeny Malkin is tracking to return, possibly this week at some point. Play in the last six games of the season. Then he would get a break. That might not be the best thing for him, getting back in the game shape and then taking another long layoff. It might not be the best thing for the Penguins, who do better when they're in the heat of battle day after day. That's why we've seen them play so well in this season. But I do think the break would be much needed for the Penguins if not only to get Brandon Tanev closer to returning for the beginning of the playoffs. I don't know what his status is. He is skating. But as of right now, there's no real timetable for his return. An extra week off between the regular season and the playoffs, that would help though. A week off would probably help players like Crosby and Rust and Gensel who have played a lot of hockey over these last three months. It would help players like Latang, who is picking up a lot of ice time these last couple months. Brian Dumoulin. It would help the goalies that are probably going to be tired after this quick stretch at the end of the season. But one thing you can not say about the Pittsburgh Penguins, going into the first round of the playoffs, they will not be tired if they get that week off, which I would imagine so. And the reasoning behind that is the Vancouver Canucks. We've all talked about how difficult of a time the Canucks have had Due to the COVID-19 virus. They had almost a month off. They're back and playing now. But the rescheduled games. Are going to go throughout that extra week. That I talked about. Now understandably. The Vancouver Canucks are not. That close to a playoff spot. Right now in the Scotia North Division. And those games are important for the Calgary Flames. They might be able to pull off the Miracle. And catch up to the Montreal Canadiens. So they're going to play those games. And I don't think the NHL is willing. To start the playoffs. Until all regular season action is done. So the Pittsburgh Penguins might have a week off following the regular season, heading into the playoffs. It's going to help them with their injuries. It's going to help them get a little bit of rest. You just hope that it doesn't dull the knife a little too much is basically what I'm saying to circle back to the Penns poll Islanders Bruins Capitals. To me, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a difficult matchup either way. I would, Think the best matchup for the Penguins is the Islanders this season. Especially if the Penguins can get home ice advantage. But they're going to see what's going to happen. It's going to be a crazy final couple weeks. We have less than 10 games remaining. The Penguins sit atop of the Mass Mutual East Division with 67 points in 49 games played. Right behind them is the Washington Capitals with 66 points and 48 games played. Then there's the Islanders with 63, Boston with 60. The Rangers, mathematically, both the Rangers and the Flyers have a chance of catching the Penguins. The Flyers, I believe, would have to win out, and the Penguins would have to lose out at this point. Basically, that would be what would have to happen. The Rangers, around the same thing, they would have to win almost every single game, and the Penguins would have to lose almost every single game. So it's not clinched as of yet, but the Penguins are getting dangerously close to clinching their 15th straight postseason berth. Right now, like I said, they're in first place in the East Division. The Capitals and the Islanders will face off on Tuesday for their third of three in a row against each other. So yes, the Penguins might get bumped out of first place, but the big thing is home ice advantage. It would be nice to finish in first place in the division, but I think the only thing of importance that should be on the Penguins' minds right now is finishing in the top two and making sure that game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2021 takes place at PPG Paints Arena. And looking at the schedule for the rest of the season, it's in their own hands right now. They play the Bruins again for the final time on Tuesday. Then they travel to Washington on Thursday. To play the Capitals. And then again on Saturday they play the Capitals. Then the following week is the last week of the regular season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they finish with four straight games against teams that are not going to be playoff teams. A back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday the 3rd and the 4th of May against the Philadelphia Flyers. Who won in a shootout tonight. So yes, they're still able to catch the Penguins. They're holding on by a thread. A pretty good comeback tonight, down 3-1 to with about two minutes left. But that's just the way the Devils season has been going. And then we'll finish off the season against Buffalo. A team who is playing a lot better hockey as of right now, but still a team that is missing a lot. They need a lot of pieces down there. So finishing off the season on home ice, Thursday, May 6th, we'll have a game. And then the last game will be Saturday, May 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that is a schedule that, listen, the Penguins could finish in first place in this division. But more important to me is finishing with home ice advantage. That's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it is a little bit shorter, but I promise we will make up for it with more content coming up. We have a special DraftKings episode that will be dropping soon. I know you guys will enjoy that. And I'm sure we're going to have a little bit of a longer conversation for our Thursday episode after Horwath comes back from vacation. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get in front of a microphone. But like I said, that's going to be it. If you want more and you haven't already listened to our interview with Hunter Hodes from episode 40 or our interview with Michelle crecciolo from episode 39, they're actually on YouTube, on our new YouTube channel at the tip of the iceberg. You can go look at those interviews and watch those interviews on our new channel. So go check that out. But that's going to be it for me tonight. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at nickhorwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet, or at the hockey podcast Every team, everywhere.